So I've gone through a few of the demos and I want to give my thoughts on the new lineup and talk about the way the team plays and what I'm seeing and the way the individuals play. Now with the major being a few days away, I didn't have as much time as I wanted to do all this, but I thought I would come in and just give some general senses of what I'm seeing. I'll have some more defined thoughts or videos after the major or during the major on kind of what we're seeing as we're watching them more. But I thought I would just kind of give an overview. So going into the major and our first matches, you can at least see, oh, how does the team generally play? What is each player's role or kind of what to look for? Because if you're like me, you were watching either very casually or not at all, just kind of like depending what matches are showing up day to day. So first, let's talk about the team overall, and then I'll talk about each player and kind of what to expect. So Nuke is this team's permaban, so don't expect to see any Nuke, which will be quite different from what we're used to because the last two lineups played Nuke constantly. The Colossus lineup enjoyed playing Nuke. The lineup before that, the ATK lineup, was punish-picked Nuke against all the time. I think it was their most played map at one point because every single team chose to play them against Nuke because they were awful. They got better at the end, obviously, and now even JT picks Nuke. But at the time, they were awful at it, and so teams were constantly picking Nuke against them. So this is a bummer for me, because Nuke is probably my second favorite map to watch in the pool right now, behind Overpass. And to lose that and to gain Mirage is kind of a bummer. I'd much rather watch Nuke than watch more Mirage games. But as far as the team as a whole, the team on the CT side seems to do a very good job of just starving teams making them run out of time, keeping utility till the very end. So when the other teams are executing, they're executing with 30, 20, 15 seconds left. And a lot of times when the 30 second marker hits, they'll have a smoke left over. Like on Inferno B site, they'll still have a smoke left when the other team is getting ready to execute on B, making it much more difficult. They do a really good job of just making teams work for their areas and then kind of just be running out of time and not like execute on the timings that they want. So they play fairly kind of passive to make this happen. They kind of force the T's to make plays themselves or use utility to figure out where this Gambit slash Cloud9 players are. Now, that being said, they do have great timings with reaggressions, though, especially Shiro. So after making the T's gain ground, they can kind of sneak back up and get a kill and back off. So Again, on Inferno, you'll see them like give up brackets at top mid, but then Shiro will kind of sneak up and check it with the op and get a kill and then kind of fall back to where they are. So expect on CT side to see a, li- a lot more passive experience than what we experience, than we, sorry. So expect on the CT side to see a much more passive experience than we had with the Colossus lineup, especially because Alex was very much always pushing, always looking for the gaps, trying to find where they are, trying to find holes, etc. I would say this lineup is much more making the T's work into them versus pushing and then trying to get a kill way forward or try and find space. They very much make the T's play perfectly to get past them. So sometimes they'll just leave an area to the site completely open. Like on Ancient, they'll just leave that like long path to A completely open and they'll be pressuring different areas of the map. And they'll do this to basically dare the T's to, hey, if you want to walk out there and go do that, like, let's see you do it versus kind of just holding it. They'll just kind of make sure that mid is under control, then make sure B is under control. And then as the time goes down, they'll start moving back towards holding these areas, knowing that the T's typically aren't just going to 
rush out that spot. Or like this play on Mirage where they get a pick on ramp, but then they just fall off that area completely. They don't then hold ramp. They just fall off it completely and basically dare the tease to, okay, you can go this way now. Like, let's see you do it. But instead, the tees are afraid to go that way because they just got picked. And so they can move their players elsewhere and have more advantages on the rest of the map. They're also absolutely fantastic at trading. It feels like no matter what site or what area of the map where engagements happen, they're all just holding perfect angles, trusting their team to have their back and trading if they get fragged. Like in mid on Mirage, there was this play where the T's are coming out from underpass and they're also coming out top mid and the person in windows watching top mid while the person um, on cat is watching underpass. And then there's another person who is in connector watching top mid or underpass, like kind of switching off. And it's just this beautiful play of each player is completely exposed to the other location, but they trust their teammate to do that. And this is something that especially the Colossus lineup struggled with. And now that was probably due to like a lot of roster turnover, lack of time together. But this roster subconsciously knows how to play with each other. And that's one of the biggest strengths a team can have is not having to verbally communicate or really even use any mental brain power to try and think about where your team is. You can just focus on what you're doing, knowing that the rest of your team is also doing the right thing. So if you can turn your back to top mid and watch where you need to be watching, knowing that someone else is watching top mid, that just lets you play the right game and not be using that brain power or verbal power to be saying, hey, are you watching top mid? You just know that that's what's happening. And you can see this a lot of times in other sports too, like in basketball, when the point guard's driving there's no communication on where the other players are going to be or when they're going to cut or where they're going to stand. It's built into the team that they know exactly where this player is going to stand for the three to kick out, or they know on a drive exactly where that player is going to be next to them. Are they going to be in front of them? Are they going for the lob? There's all that kind of stuff that they just subconsciously know it's not having to be communicated. It's just like part of the team. So this is something that Gambit does really well. And the Colossus lineup, towards the end, it started getting a little bit better. But you can just kind of tell when they were doing things like both pushing aside, they're both watching the same angles, or you can tell that there's just like a little more, a little more, it's a little more frantic because they don't know exactly what the other player is doing because they haven't had enough time together. Well, this team has had enough time together and they are very good at that. So this is something that we'll see in every one of their matches. It's just how good they are at trading and watching each other's backs. They're never just caught off guard. A player never just gets randomly picked with the player that's with them, not realizing that they should have been watching something. That just doesn't happen with this team. So one weakness with this CT approach is that since they're being passive, that means that they don't have a lot of information. And this gets punished sometimes by good teams like FaZe and Kerrigan. They definitely punish them not having any information. So that is one weakness to being passive is that if a team has the same fragging power as you or they just are really good at making different reads and you don't know what's happening because you're playing far back, it can make things very difficult. But overall, it seems like their re-aggression timings, 
their trading, their fragging, all just really works at holding sites or just areas of the map. On the T side, they're really good at changing up the pace in the demos I saw. I do believe they have a reputation of playing slowly and methodically. So I do wonder if I watched more demos, if I would notice that they tend to play a lot slower. But from what I saw, they were fairly good about mixing up their timings in general on T side. Now they did miss a bunch of utility on T side, but that could just be random luck from the demos I was watching. I would assume that they're good with utility, having been the number one team in the world for however long they were. And this is not typically the case, but there was probably two or three pieces of utility on every demo that I watched that was just completely missed. But more will come on their T sides in the future as we get to watch more and get to see newer demos under the Cloud9 banner. I don't expect a whole lot to change. One thing I expect to change is hopefully they're just mentally in a better place of not having all of this stuff going on. So hopefully they can focus more on just CS and hopefully they're getting more LAN experience because they obviously have the reputation of being onliners, but they're also all very young. So as they get more LAN experience, I expect that to get better because from the demos I've seen, the way they play, I don't think has a lot of online advantage. I think that it plays the same way that you could play on LAN. So let's just see how they do with that. As for the players, let's talk about each of them really quick. So Shiro, Shiro is probably the most consistent opera that Cloud9's ever had. In fact, Shiro might be the best player Cloud9's ever had. He hits all the easy shots, but he also can hit like some insane flicks. But he does his positioning so well that he just makes his job really easy. And he also is very unpredictable. He's always moving around. He'll take a shot and then rotate to an unexpected area of the map. He isn't afraid to fall off if he feels they have an advantage or if they flash him off or use utility to get him off. He isn't afraid to move back and get a better angle that he feels has an advantage. From what I've seen, he almost never repeaks, And I think that is a very good trait to have because a lot of the operas we've seen, and you see this with some of the other operas that don't seem to make it in tier one, like I would say um, Junior, or I would say um, Smuya, or Alex when he was opping, and you'd even see this with S-Tag sometimes. They just peek, and they take a shot, and they miss, or they hit, and there's more players, and then they re-peak the exact same angle. And I think that that could be either they feel that they need to be getting these kills because they either don't trust their team or don't know what the setup is or they're just not as experienced or they're used to just kind of stomping on all these players. But from what I've seen from Shiro is he doesn't really re-peak. He will peak, he'll take a shot, and then he'll move to a new area. So he doesn't ever get refragged when he's re-peaking an angle and there's one or two rifles holding exactly where he's going to be coming. So he doesn't give up his life very easily at all. And I think this is a great trait. And as I said earlier, he's also great at re-aggressing. So he will give up an area, but then he'll walk back in and get a kill and then fall off again. So he's really good at catching them off guard. He has a knack for finding these timings as they're setting up something with utility or they think something's clear so their backs are turned. He just has a knack of kind of getting in there and 
getting getting a kill and then falling back and making them then work for more space. So his timing and his feel is just really incredible. And he is really punished and he just comes out ahead a lot of the time. And Shiro, I think, is going to be an absolute joy to watch. He's going to be completely different than any opera that we've had in a very long time. So Naphne is a fantastic fragger for an IGL. I think if you just open up a demo and you had no knowledge of the team, that you wouldn't really see any fall off between him, the IGL, and the fraggers on the team. He does a lot of the like map exploring, like walking around, getting map control, that kind of stuff for the team. And he'll also entry into sites, making up making a lot of space for the fraggers behind him. And he does do some other like fairly typical IGL stuff, like buying utility on pistol rounds or giving other people rifles. And then on CT side, he plays a lot of rotating spots and kind of rotates depending on the reads that he's getting. Hobbit, I would say, is the main fragger on the team. He goes into sites, you know, either second or third to trade and kind of like take over. He doesn't really do any lurking, and he typically plays high traffic areas on CT side, like mid on Ancient or A side on Mirage. So I would say that if you're putting someone in the main fragger role, uh, that would be Hobbit. He would be like the fragger carry. And then for Axel and Inters, they both seem to play semi-similar roles. They both do lurking, and then they both will like entry on the sites that they're lurking towards, or they'll go in at a fragger spot if it's the other person's lurking site. I would say Axile is the main lurk as he does the B-side on Overpass or outside long on Dust 2. But then you also see Inters playing like tun- tunnels on Dust 2, and then he'll play like mid on Vertigo T-side, like just holding for any CT aggression on mid. So I bet it's kind of nice to not have to be a lurk on every map. It could let you feel more involved over the course of like a best of three or maybe just over the course of a year, not always having to be the one who's just focused on a single area. So I wonder if that's on purpose or if that's just the spots that they played and so that's how it worked out. But I, you will see both of them kind of playing more lurking roles. So that's kind of a quick overview of the team and what to expect. I'll have more content on this as we have more matches to watch and more time to look through them so with the legend stage coming up it looks like a ton of powerhouses are making it to the next stage so it should be a fantastic and really fun stage i believe it just came out that we're playing team spirit i think that's the case no we're playing outsiders so that'll be a fun match you know two cis teams a lot of history together i would say outsiders has not looked as good as they typically do So let's talk about expectations for the team. I expect this team to go 3-0 or 3-1 and to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, honestly, that's a gigantic disappointment for me. To me, if they don't make the semis at a minimum, I'm going to feel very disappointed. I think this team can win it all and hopefully we'll have less distractions now that some of the unknowns are all settled. And I think we can win and we should have that expectation. I grew up as a Laker fan, and with that comes a championship or bust mentality. So for the last two lineups, I've had to kind of change or curb my way of thinking into a more realistic stance of let's grow and let's kind of see where this lineup can go and kind of go in with that attitude. But with this lineup, I would say that's not okay. This is not a, hey, that was a good learning experience, or hey, 
we got top four. Like, that's pretty nice. This is not that kind of lineup. This is a lineup that needs to bring home trophies. And my content is going to be structured with that expectation in mind. I won't be happy with just making finals. This roster, it's it's winner go home time. It's not growing time anymore. We have the championship lineup. We have the players. They have the backing. It's time to bring home some trophies. And anything less than that, I would say is unacceptable. So that's it for me. The major starting in two days. Follow me on Twitter at cloud9 underscore win. I'm going to watch as many as I can live. And I'm going to try and have some good content on it. Um, the timing being on the West Coast in the U.S. isn't fantastic. But I'm going to do the best I can to just get some cool stuff out there, get some reactions. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.